dropping the hammer. No, you're not. And welcome back to Dropping the Hammer with Dan McFadden. I'm Dan McFadden, ready to talk all things NASCAR, Watkins Glen International Raceway. It's not a raceway. It's just Watkins Glen International. Why am I doing that? Anyway, uh, and with me, as always, <laughs> is John LaFollette. Uh, John, Watkins Glen, what, was it the best race of the year? No. No, no, no it wasn't. I mean, I... <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry to sound like I turned the punch bowl in that. Not to say it wasn't a good race. I really enjoyed this race. Um, was not the best race of the year, though. Although I get what you're referring to with the Jeff Cluck poll. Um, it's just it's not a, it's 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 the same deal with Rotten Tomatoes. Like Rotten Tomatoes is not a zero to ten yeah. scale. It's just an up or down. Like is it good? Yeah. Is it bad? And I it's but I think uh, <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes used to also show like the average score and they got rid of it. And I that really bothers me because I always looked at that in addition to the, um, the overall score, they would show like an average rating, like 8.6 or like 6.5 or whatever. Um, so I feel like this Watkins Glen race would get like a seven for me. Seven and a half. Really? Just a seven. Okay. Seven, right. seven and a half. Like I, I liked it. I don't even know. I don't, I don't know if this would be like, I don't know if this is one of the 10 best races of the year. Oh, I stage, think, oh, oh, it, oh, it's definitely in the top 10. Stage one and two, stages one and two were great. And stage three really kind of uh, just did not live up to the hype of, of, of one and two. Um, I know that the ending was chaotic. We can talk about that here in a second. But the third, I just remember having, just sitting there watching the third stage and like halfway through, I was like, something feels different here. And I don't know what happened, but um, I, I, part of me just wished that they're like the rain would have come back. And they would have had to put on wet tires and just have all, <laughs> all chaos. And then we've got uh, Michael McDowell or somebody else who hasn't won a race yet, you know, yeah. getting this or something. And um, but long story, long, long, long uh, answer to your very short question. No, not the best race. Okay, all right, I'd give it an eight, at least an eight point five. That's personally, uh, but yeah, Kyle Larson uh, won. He defended his win at Watkins Glen International by winning. Sunday's race at the Go Bowling at the Glen, which I I, I want to send Watkins Glen a note saying, please change your race names. <laughs> I, I, I hate, I'm, I, it's been like this for years. It's been like this since the, I think NASCAR went back to Watkins Glen in 86. It's whatever sponsor at the Glen. And it's just, it's, it does not roll off the tongue at all. It, it, would, it sounds like, uh... It sounds like a retirement home when you call it the Glen. Yeah, it's, it's like you should be saying like the estates or manor. But yeah, the estates the of the Glen, the manor at the Glen. It, it's just, yeah, it sounds like, you know, they're like, there's the senior PGA, like if there's like a senior NASCAR circuit with like Dale Jarrett and Kyle Petty and Jeff, Jeff Burton and Clint Boyer and all the old retired heads, all the old geezers. Um, I just named them because they were on TV. The only ones I could think of off the top of my head. Um, but it would just sounds like uh, the Glen sounds like something like a senior NASCAR circuit would do. Like, isn't it cute that these old folks can still go fast? Well, they used to have one of those series like back in like late 80s, early 90s. It wasn't really a series per se. 
but they had like yeah legends races or whatever like on the quarter mile that charlotte they would do that i think i think you're i think uh you're mistaking that for srx i don't know if you've heard of that (laughs) but um (laughs) but um no so here's my here's my question for you and i don't know if i really have an answer because i've kind of been I knew obviously I knew we were going to talk about this on the on the podcast, but do you think Kyle Larson did anything wrong? Nope. No, nope. I don't uh, either. No. Nope. Now, does Chase Elliott have a right to be upset? Eh. Both, both, both. We could both agree on this. Like, just because Kyle Larson didn't do anything wrong, Chase Elliott could still have a reason to be upset. He, Chase Elliott has lost so many races, like at the last minute, like that, and. Most of, most often he's like, oh, you know, I hate it for my guys and whatnot. But this, I mean, this is the second time it's happened between him and Larson. But the first time was at Auto Club, but that was truly just an accident. Like, right? Just, Larson just went up, went up to the right, not knowing he wasn't clear, and you know, clipped, clipped Chase. Here, it's the freaking five laps to go. It's the restart. It's a road course on a tight with a tight right-handed turn. Uh. Larson hasn't won since that race at Auto Club. Like, who cares if the guy to your left's your teammate? Go, right. just go, just go. He, right. he locked, he locked up the brakes, drifted up into Lar- in, into Elliott, forced him onto the runoff. Larson takes off. It's, it's a racing thing. There, there was no malice in it. It was just, it was just, it's time to go, and we're in this position, and. Larson said he's not proud of it, but it felt like my like my it was my only opportunity, and he took it. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, he did I, wrong. I, yeah, I agree. It's just one of those racing incidents, and I mean, they clearly showed on the replay where Larson's tire was not moving as they were going into the turn, like it was clearly locked up. Um, and also, I was just wondering. I mean, and and this was brought up on the post race broadcast. I don't, I'm not even sure if Larson. Uh, was puzzled by the Sonata. He might have referred to it as such, but like, why did Elliot take the outside lane? I'd have that's to go back and look at the other restarts to see if that's the same lane, that, same lane that he took. Yeah, because like it seems so innocuous when you know it doesn't when it's a, a restart or whatever at a, at a point in the race where it's not crunch time. Oh, it's oh, not getting okay, to here, no here, time. I mean, I'm just now thinking about this, but like anyone who, who's on the outside does have the runoff in turn one. That is an advantage. It's it true. You if you get off that, you can just go full bore. Like if you're on the inside, you have to try to avoid the guy to your left. If you're on the but if you're in that outside lane, you don't have to worry about anyone there. Well, you technically shouldn't. Um, someone right. might just come out, just, should just come out of nowhere. Like what? What the heck? But yeah, it is. Yeah, ha- having that runoff there is an advantage. So that's probably why you took it. If I had to, if I, if I had to guess. It just, and again, this is probably just, you know, me pulling a Monday morning quarterback, you know, in hindsight being 2020 and all that, all those cliches, but it, you know, and this was, it was, it was also weird to see Chase Elliott be so animated about it. Cause like, I understand why he's upset. You know, he's probably thinking, Hey, I'm taking the outside. I'm exposing myself, but I've got a teammate here. We'll run hard, but he's not going to do anything to, you know, uh, dirty or untoward to take me out of the race. Um, and then we obviously know what happens and then it shows him after the race, you know, the, the cameras show him talking to, and even Jeff Gluck had an alternate version of the, yeah. of the, of the incident on pit road immediately after the race, he gets out of the car, 
immediately goes to Jeff Gordon and Rich Rick Hendrick and is talking to them. And he's very animated. You yeah. don't know quite what he's saying, but he's using his hands. He looks like an Italian grandmother talking with his hands. <laughs> um, looks, looks, you know, visually pissed off. Um, and even if I don't, even if, you know, we both think that Kyle Larson did anything wrong, we both can reasonably understand why Chase Elliott would be upset in that scenario. Um, but I think the more telling thing is from Jeff Gluck's perspective is once Chase Elliott walked away, Jeff Gordon and Rick Hendrick just both kind of turned around and you can see their facial expressions and you could, it was, it was, I think they're, they, they, they were almost blank. They almost like seemed like they didn't really, I don't want to say they didn't care, but like, it just seemed they were just less passionate about it than Chase by a, by a fair stretch. Well, what, what other guys won? Like what, what, what reason did they, no, no one wrecked. No, no, no one, like all four of their cars, I believe finished, finished the race. One of them won. Chase finished fourth. So, I mean, like, what do they have to be upset about? Like, like do, do right. they need to, like, massage the egos of the drivers? Probably, like, they did have a competition meeting, you know, on, on Monday, and Kyle Larson talked about it today during the Martinsville test. And said he, he said he, he did more listening than, than talking mm. when it came to that. Um, but he, he is said... That, is that, is that a polite way of saying he got his ass chewed? <laughs> I don't know. Not uh, necessarily by Jeff Gordon or Rick Hendrick, but like maybe Chase by Chase Elliott and Alan Gustafson. I think Chase Elliott gave his piece. Um, sure uh, but like he, like Larson has did say, like if I'm in that position again, I might, I'd drive more respectfully. So I mean, I don't. He did nothing wrong. He, no, he, it's the it, like I said, five laps to go, possibly the last restart. Uh, I don't think Larson led all day up to that point. Um, so, yep, like Chase Elliott clearly had the better car. It was like uh, Elliott had the best car. Larson probably had the second best car. So, yeah, he, he did nothing wrong. And not in my, in my opinion. And I mean, you know, also, especially given how, and what Larson's actions are even more. Um, justified and understandable just given how tight the playoff race is i mean five points in any other year i mean it's it, more points always helps but this year yeah. the, it's just so close that every point matters I mean, we've talked about this before a couple episodes ago when we were just proposing the idea that you know certain drivers if they came in should just try and you know jerry rig their strategy just to maximize stage points and get some playoff <laughs> points that yeah um we haven't necessarily seen that but you know like you said, Larson has the one since Fontana. That was the second race of the season. I mean, what, he's and he won, won. He won ten times last year. Ten yeah, times. And he's having a really good season. I mean, he is now over in the raw points total. He surpassed. He took. He overtook second place from Ryan Blaney. Oh, um, did he? Okay. Yeah, I mean, he's second overall in points, but he's only won two races all year. Um, and again, he won what ten last year. Yeah, he, he won 10, 10 races. Yeah, almost oh. a third of the schedule was dominated by Kyle Larson. So, um, you know, five points goes going to go a long way in this playoff series. I would like to try and, like, do a deep dive at some point and compare, okay, drivers who've had, like, double-digit win seasons, who's had the worst fall-off the next year, and compare Larson, Larson to that. Um, so, like, in the mo modern era, we've had – Jimmy Johnson, I think, did it once. Uh, Jeff Gordon did it twice. Uh, Dale Arnhart did it once. Rusty Wallace did it in 92? No, 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 wait, no, 93, I think. He had one of those double-digit wins, but he did win the ch championship. 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'd really like to do that. Who, who's had the, the worst fall after after a double digit uh, season? So, but anyway, Watkins Glen, uh, like they they've been NASCAR returned there in '86, and this is the first time they've ran in the rain there. At least the Cup Series, uh, the Xfinity Series did it a couple of years ago, um, and that was actually in the middle of the race. They start out on dries and wound up having to switch to wets for like one stage. It was very very short. Um, but so this was yeah, this is the third Cup race in the rain. The first one um, was of, of course in the Roval two two yes. years ago. Uh, which started out wet and then eventually became uh, dry. And then the Coda last year, which was a disaster, uh, a disaster, an absolute disaster. And I remember thinking immediately of Coda as at the race on Sunday, as yeah. the cars were taking pace laps around the track and then they red flagged it again because there was too much standing water. Yeah. And immediately, you know, we get the they gripers. They learned their lesson. Yeah, we get they, the gripers on Twitter. Learned. Yeah, the gripers on Twitter were like, why don't they just go? And even someone, even some of the uh, commentators on TV, I forget who it was, but they're like, I know the best way to get rid of standing water, just drive through it. It's like, like, do y'all not remember how Coda went last year? <laughs> I mean, I know it wasn't like a torrential downpour at Watkins Glen the way that Coda was. I mean, Coda was just uh, uh it was just like someone opened up a faucet plus there was standing water on the track um yeah. it was just the worst it was just those two things combined just made it um the chaotic uh race that that was um but yeah in that moment i was like yeah i'm glad nascar's <laughs> i don't want to see another race like coda like it just that feels you don't you, you don't want to see one car just absolutely plowing into the back of right, another yeah. like what happened with true x yeah it's dangerous that... it's yeah. dangerous at worst and gimmicky at at, at, at best and either way it's not what i want to see um so i was more than fine to let them and look they still started the race in the rain it's not like yeah. i don't want to see racing in the rain it's fun it, it really separates the men from the boys um and, and Mike, michael mcdowell got to show off some skills because yeah he, he's right he's ran in the rain at watkins gun before and in, in like a sports car series something like that and he showed them like like yeah i i don't know when how long it how long did it take for McDowell to get to the lead? Uh, it was in the first couple laps, I think. He took, yeah, took the lead on lap four. Yeah. Um, so and then he led for eight laps. And I had to, I put this out on the Twitter. It's like I am pretty sure that is the first time Michael McDowell has ever stra- straight up taken the lead in a cup race under green that wasn't a super speedway race. Yeah, um, or, or if there wasn't like some sort of pit thing going on, he led for one lap or something during pits. But yeah, no, that was, it was really fun to see. And, you know, they're they're running in the rain on wet tires and Michael McDowell's out front. I just texted you, you know, chaos question mark, because that's just been all we've ever really been rooting for here for the second half of the season yeah. on this show is just whatever the most chaotic outcome is, that's what we want. <laughs> as far <laughs> and, and I was really hoping for McDowell to win this race or someone well, else. I, th- I think, I think part part of the reason I'm scoring this race higher than you is because Michael McDowell was up there all day. Yeah. Like he, he was top five. He, he had a shot all day up until like that next to last restart where he just got kind of gobbled up going to turn one. Um, but the fact that he was up there, like he, he had a legitimate shot at that one. Yeah. That, that was cool. That was really cool. Um, um- when Daniel Suarez was passing him to get fifth there near the end of the race, anytime those two are on the track at the, near each other, I always just think of that incident in Phoenix, like <laughs> three years ago when Suarez just yeah. dropped McDowell like, like that. Oh, 
It was, <laughs> I just, I will always remember that moment. Um, oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure Daniel Suarez has been in, been in, a, in a couple of scuffles in his, in, oh, his, I'm sure. in his youth. I can't imagine Michael McDowell getting into anything resembling a fist fight in his life. <laughs> no, he seems, he seems like, like whenever I see Michael McDowell, he he looks like an IT guy. Like, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like he just he just doesn't look like he has he doesn't look like someone who would just like ever become like aggressive or agitated. Like he just looks like uh like the nice cousin at at the family reunion. That's what he looks like. That's, we we kind of live in this really cool, interesting period in NASCAR where we got we get to see the guys. Who are usually, you know, kind of vanilla, the, the, the nice guys. We get to see them pissed off, and it, it's like w- William Byron after uh, Darlington and what his run in with Logano, him getting out of his car and calling Logano a moron and stuff like this. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> scandalous! Um, it, it's it like this with this with McDowell, um, Joe, Joey Logano himself. He, he he looks like the nerdiest guy on the face of the planet. Like, he, like he, yeah. he, lo- he looks like the dad from the Calvin and Hobbes comic script. Okay? <laughs> Especially when he has his glasses on. He looks like the dad from the Calvin and Hobbes comic strip. And But he races. He doesn't race like that. He, he races. I, I wrote about this earlier this year after the whole Darlington thing is that Joey Logano in some ways reminds me, reminds me of Dale Earnhardt. I mean, they, they don't have the same, like, personas. Like, Dale Earnhardt was this, this blue-collar, rough-and-double guy. Oh, yeah. Um, but they cut, they have similar driving styles. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to take, take it from you, all right? I'm, I'm not going to put up with it. And he, he can get – Logano, like Earnhardt, can get into a situation uh, with the driver and get out, get, out of his, get, get out of his car, look at the camera, smile about it, give a quip. And you go about his day. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not a direct comparison, but Logano does remind me of Del Earnhardt in some ways. And then you've got the guys like Michael McDowell that just you know seem so you know like oh gee golly Willikers about them. Not to, and again I'm not trying to put Michael McDowell down. Just like his personality, the way that he is on camera, just yeah. he doesn't uh, he wouldn't he doesn't strike me as someone who has that competitive edge. Although he clearly does. Um, it reminds me of that tweet. Um, last season, it was DK Metcalf of the Seattle Seahawks. Who's like ripped. He's got like a 14 pack almost like he's just like nothing but muscle. And it's a, next to him is, uh, the place kicker for the Colts, uh, Rodrigo Blankenship, the guy with the big rec specs and stuff. Who's like, he was like a scrawny, like journalism major at Georgia. And it was like, these two guys both play the same sport. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> like, that's how, like, that's how I kind of feel about NASCAR sometimes like Michael McDowell is in the same is in the same sport as Kyle Busch. So, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, like if really if you if you lined up every cut driver like just like in a police lineup kind of situation and you just like all right, which which ones would you point to? Could you point to John and and just they're not in fire suits or anything. They're in street clothes. Who's the one who are the, who are the drivers you could look at? Yeah, yeah, that guy's a race car driver. Kyle Busch. I'd say both Bush brothers look like race car drivers. I would say Truex because the beard. If he shaved, I don't know if I would say that, but the beard is a dead giveaway. Um, Chase with the handlebar mustache. Yeah. 
handlebar mustache chase. Wait, does he still have that? Or did he... no, he's got like more of just like a regular five o'clock shadow. Okay. Um, Blaney would if he actually was allowed to have a beard during the race season. <laughs> Corey LaJoy. Corey LaJoy. Danny Penske. Corey LaJoy. Yep. Corey LaJoy for sure. Um, <laughs> I would think Cole Custer is just. He's like, like NASCAR always has like at least like one portly looking guy who doesn't have any neck. Yeah, <laughs> I would say, I would say, uh, Cole Custer's that guy, but like that's kind of it. Like, I wouldn't think Suarez is, I wouldn't think that, I don't know if I would think that Austin Cendrick is like with no. his, like with his super long sideburns, he looks like a bass player from like a 2000s new metal band. I, I, I just. My, my my default image of Austin Cindric is like of him in like a sweater vest. I've never seen him in a, yeah. I've never seen him in a sweater vest, but I just imagine that that's my default image of him is, is in a sweater vest. That or he's like doing like anime cosplay at Gen Con or something. <laughs> <laughs> like I would genuinely be down to go to Gen Con with, with Austin Cindric. Um yeah, that's that's pretty much all I can think of. Like also just the, the oh Kevin Harvick, yeah, he looks like an NASCAR driver. But like all the guys I'm thinking of are just like mostly older. Like all these younger guys are so fresh faced and so personable. <laughs> under the they're un, they're under the age of twenty five. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Anyway. Uh, real quick, uh, how many top tens does Michael McDowell have? How, ten. I guess he has ten. ten. Previous, now, where high, is he in, previous high was five. Where is he in points? Uh, well, he had he had that yes. penalty. Um. Oh yeah, I forgot about the penalty. He would be higher than where he is. You're right. Where is he? Right now, he's 24th. He had the 100-point penalty. I believe so. So, ta- so take away the 100-point penalty, he's in 19th. But still, for a driver that has that many top 10s, that seems that feels pretty low. And I, look, I just pulled up his racing results for this season. If he's not finished in the top 10, he only has one top five, but he's finished in the top 10 10 times this year. But he only has four races where he's finished between uh, – he only has two, he has three top 15s. Mm. So basically he has like, there's five races here where he finishes between 10th and 20th, which isn't much. So if he's not in the so, top 10. So it, it, he's, he's either hitting a home run for him or he's out to lunch. So yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Like he finished seventh at Daytona. And then the next four races were 31st, 27th, 27th, 24th. No. 13, 13th at Coda, then 30th, 25th. And then he rattled off all those top 10s. But then you know New Hampshire, twenty eighth, Michigan, twenty eighth, Richmond, 29th. So, no, it's just so he hasn't won because you know he won the five hundred last year. But he hasn't won this yes. year, but no. he's having the he's having the best season of his career by far. Yeah. Ten times, like like I said, the, his previous career high for top tens was five, and he now has ten. Um, and he, and he's, I don't, ki- he's killing it on road courses. And I don't see how he doesn't. I know that he said before that he just signs one year deals to front row motorsports and every the next year is always a question mark for him. Um, but he's he's definitely earned oh yeah, earned another contract. If 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 front if front row is dumb enough to let him go, he'll get a ride somewhere else next season. But because he's definitely earned it. I mean, he's he's definitely out driving some of the equipment that he's racing with this season. He's, sure, he's out, so. he's out, I mean, he's out driving his teammate, Todd Gill, and who's a rookie. Yeah. So yeah. but no, he's doing except like if really the the two the two drivers are really like uh, showing off uh, what this next gen car can do to even the playing field. It's McDowell and Eric Jones. Yes. Uh, Eric, Eric Jones also has, I believe, 10 top 10s now. He has uh, nine. I'm showing sure nine, nine. Nine. Okay, nine. 
that's when when he reaches 10. I think I, I tweeted this. Yeah, when he reaches 10, if he reaches 10, whatever, uh, that will be the most top 10s for the number four, 43 team and since A.J. Allmendinger got 10 uh, back wow. in 2011. Wow. That's that's a stat. And also, I completely forgot that Allmendinger raced in the 43 car. Well, it was, only, those... like, it was only like two, two years, something like that. Yeah. It wasn't long. But then, then Eric Almirola came around. Um, so, but anyway, Watkins Glen. Um, so this, this was the big weekend where, uh, we got invaded by, uh, seven international, not seven international, six international drivers, six international drivers to make up seven countries representing the race, which is a record, uh, for the cup series. And the high, the highlight was, uh, a guy named Kimi, uh, I, what's his last name? Kimi Heikinen. The former uh, the former Formula One driver in 2000, 2007 Formula One champion made his NASCAR Cup debut. Unfortunately, he wrecked out of the race on, yes. uh, I believe, lap 45. Yeah the, same, yeah, the same incident with Austin Dillon and everybody yeah, and Ross Chastain. So he finished 37th out of 39th, but he, he, he was there. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't like slinking around in the back. He like there was like a, maybe a two three lap stretch where he was racing ahead of Chase Elliott and holding him back. I was like, oh wow, yeah, he's getting it. He's going yeah. after it. Um, so I was, I was impressed uh, by what, but by, by what, Kimi was able to do in his Cup debut. What do you think? No, I was really impressed too. Um, not just by how he raced, but also just how he really seemed to genuinely enjoy the NASCAR experience. Um, he was available for media all weekend long, um, as Jeff Gluck alluded to on his podcast. And, you know, I've seen this firsthand uh, when I covered the Indy 500 in 2017. You know, Fernando Alonso was there mm-hmm. going, going for the Triple Crown. Um, had every, you know, he's the big, the big hotshot Formula One driver. He could have had every reason to sort of just kind of only do the big media um, and just fluff off everybody else. Like he took, he talked to everybody and he really seemed to soak in the experience. He loved it um, so much so that he tried to make the 500 two more times. Uh, he's, he kept coming back. Um, he really uh, threw himself into it with, um, you know, no pretensions and no ego. And the same thing happened here with Kimmy. Um, and it was really neat to see. And, you know, it was really as, is, is Gluck also alluded to on his po- on his podcast was the fact that this was the first time that a lot of people over in Europe watch NASCAR and they did just yeah. because of Kimmy and they got a really good race because um, they're really fortunate that this was a really good race. I'm glad that it was, um, you know, this Watkins Glen race and not the Sonoma race um, <laughs> or, or, uh, or the, or the Indy road course necessarily. Um, although that would have been cool to speak because then Kimmy would have some experience on the road course. Granted it was formula one. It's a slightly different uh, configuration from what the F1 cars were yeah. on that track, but um, no, it was really neat to see. It was really cool to see. Like you said, he was up there. Um, I think because uh, before the wreck, he was on the same similar fuel strategy as um, I think it was Austin Cindric. Like he was on, yeah. he was on pace to have like a top 15 finish yes. thereabouts. Yeah. No, yeah. Someone asked this creature, what do you think you would have wound up? And uh, he said, yeah, we think we would have finished like 14th, which. Yeah. And that's great. That's great for a, for a one-off car where you have, you know, just a couple training sessions, very little time. And you really have no, um, 
ideas to how other drivers around you are going to drive you or how you're necessarily going to drive them. I mean, that would have been a really cool story, but uh, yeah, like you said, just uh, bad luck winds up in 37th, but I really hope he comes back. I'm looking forward to a larger project 21 endeavor next year. Yeah. I think Justin Mark said there's what six to eight races they're going to try. Um, I can't remember him ever saying a definitive number. Is um, it just going to be road courses? I hope not. Um, yeah, I, I, hope, I hope not. I, I hope not either. I mean, it's certainly, I, I an, think, it's I, certainly I, an easy way to get like open wheel racers into it. I think but. I said. I think I said this last week. I I expect Jimmy Johnson to be in that ninety one car for at least one race. I would expect so too. Coach yeah, Hunter, baby. <laughs> Mark it down now. Danny McFadden predicts Jimmy Johnson. We're, we're, we're getting a double, man. We're going to get one more double. <laughs> so. I would love to see that. I really, I genuinely would. I genuinely would, especially given how how strong Jimmy was at Indy this year. Um, speaking of the IndyCar, uh, I was at the race in St. Louis and yep. I got, uh, I got a, a NASCAR die cast. Uh, they had this antique vendor was there and just mm. had a bunch of like mini die casts in like a tub and they were five bucks a piece. And I got to the very bottom. There was nothing in there. Like a lot of stuff was like die hard. Like you had to be like a die hard, like die cast collectible to want some of these things. Like it was like, yeah, Ken, it was like Ken Schrader. Yeah. Uh, like Ernie Irvin, people like that. But then at the very bottom, I saw a Brickyard 400 logo on the back of this die cast thing. And I was like, oh, what could that be? So I pulled it up and it's the 1995 Dale Earnhardt race winning car die cast. It was just five bucks. And it was like, granted, it's like one of the smaller ones. It's a 164 out, out, scale. Out of the package or in the package? It's in the package, but like oh. the package is a little taped up, but like, okay, it's still in a package. So it's like five bucks. I snagged it. It's like, you're coming home with me. So, uh, but yeah, that race so, was fun. So was that your wet. was that your first time to Gateway? Yes. yes. Okay. So been, so okay, we've both been to Gateway this year. I went to NASCAR. You you went to to IndyCar. So what was so what was the, just the overall experience like? I for one, it's right off the interstate, which I love. Yeah. It's easy. It's easy in, easy out. What I and this was specifically just for IndyCar, I suppose. Although I'd like to see NASCAR do this too. I wish IndyCar would go back to racing at Gateway strictly under the lights. Mm. Strictly under the lights. When they when they when they went back to Gateway first, that race did not start till like nine o'clock Indy time. So eight o'clock their time, six o'clock West Coast. Um, and for some reason, I know they moved it up because of weather and everything, but they the race was scheduled to start at like five thirty local time. Why? Why? Like, um, it, it, it's so hard for indie cars to pass each other now with the aero screen. And at the 500, it's different because that track is so big and they're going so fast. It's a little easier to get some runs if you've got a good enough car. But at St. Louis, it's it's a flat track. It's not two and a half miles. It's a mile and a quarter. Yeah. Um, you don't have nearly enough runway on the, on the, on the straightaways to get a run. Unless so... Once the rain came and kind of washed away a lot of gunk off the track and it was nighttime by the time the race restarted, those last 40 laps were great. Like the track was cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the track was cool, promoted better racing, and it was a lot racier. It felt like two completely different races. I was just like, man, can we please like, like, <laughs> why, why are you starting to race at six o'clock, like five of 30 on a Saturday? Um, like, are you trying to go for the coveted two thirty West coast time slot? Like, yeah, give me a break. Um, and it's not like, and again, it's a Saturday night. You don't have to make room for NASCAR. There's no, it's not football season. Yeah. Um, there's nothing else going on. There's no NBA going on. Like 
like give yourself a better time slot. I don't know why NBC made that call. Um, but in general, yes, I would absolutely go back. I just wish it was more of a night race. I'd really enjoy because I love, and again, I, it's, 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 it's unusual for me, although I know it's for most race fans, it's a common thing. It's unusual for me to go to a track where I can see the whole race because of the five, yeah. the 500 for Indy. It's just, you can't see the whole, all the way around the track because it's so massive, but it's just, it's always nice to be like, Oh yeah. I can see turn three now. <laughs> so, um, but no, yes, in, in, in a very broad sense, I like the facility. I like that track. I would gladly go back. I would, I definitely want to catch a cup race there, but I would love to see cup race there at night too. Why not make that a Saturday night race during because the summertime? Ratings. Saturday night race. Like, I know. like the, the Richmond was daytime Sunday this year. It was, it was up over the Saturday night race at Richmond last year. So it's, I know. you get, it, I, I, yeah. It's the world we unfortunately live in. Um, but it would be such a better race. Uh, but I get it. I get no, it. They, they, like got, over they do the, what they like got to do. Over the last 10 years, night racing, at least in NASCAR, the quality of racing at night has dropped dramatically. It's daytime has provided better races, which is just a complete shift Yeah, from, from 10 years ago. It's like, we need more night races. And no, actually, not anymore. <laughs> no, not... <laughs> No, we, we, we solved that problem. Um, but no, yeah, in the, in the grand so, scheme of things. Uh, oh, and after the race, I got to go on the track and I brought home pieces of uh, IndyCar tire rubber that were still on the track. So cool. So, so I was very the guy, the guy who finished second, the rookie, Dave, Malukas, Dave, David Malukas, I yes. Had never heard of him before the rain delay, had no idea who he was. And then, all, he, then here he comes charging through the pack, getting past. Um, Scott McLaughlin. McLaughlin. And then if he'd had maybe a couple more laps, maybe. Yeah, he could have had something for Newgarden there at the end. Now, I, I like David Malukas. He's a rookie, drives for Dale Coyne. Dale Coyne is the smallest team in IndyCar. To give you an idea of how small they are, they partner with Rick Ware Racing to feel yeah. a second car. Okay. Um, that's who that's who Takuma Sato's drive is. It's yeah. Dale Coyne yeah. partnership with Rick Ware. Um, but, and you know, they've had... They have so many drivers come and go. Uh, it seems like they have a different lineup of drivers every year or every other year, but they always are competitive in the equipment that they have. Um, and their, engin their, their engineers are always uh, top-notch. Their, me their mechanics and everyone that works behind the scenes over there just really seems to know how to get the most out of their equipment. Um, and, you know, Sato was running in the top 10 all day. I think both Dale Coin cars came in the top five or six in that race. Um, and I love seeing that. I love seeing, you know, like here's a rookie from the smallest team passing Penske cars and having a chance to possibly go up there and contend if he gets a couple extra laps. So, no, that was really, really cool. Um, and I got to get on the track. And by the time we got on, fans were out on the track, most of the Indy cars were back in the garage area. But his car was still on pit lane, excuse me, as I hit my microphone. His car was still on pit lane. Um because he was still doing so many interviews because he was the story of the race in a way. Um, and Dale Coyne was down there as well, looking over the car and a bunch of fans were, you know, getting pictures of Dale Coyne and stuff. It was fun. It was a, it was a really fun night. And yes, I would gladly well, that, go back that, to Gateway. Well, like I said, my favorite, I, my favorite, I, I, my favorite thing about Gateway, by the way, okay. or just St. Louis in general is Bushlight is on tap everywhere. <laughs> that is my kind of town. I, that is my kind of town. I, yes, I would gladly live, live in St. Louis just for the bush light on tap. So I got a big 32 ounce commemorative cup uh, full of bush light and brought did it Did they home. have bush apple? 
Do they have bush apple? They do not have bush apple, but I have a whole fridge full in my garage of, of bush apple. I'm loaded up for that. I look like a doomsday bush light apple prepper. So <laughs> yeah, I think yes, been... what were you gonna say? I'm sorry. But like that that rookie's run, David, however you pronounce his name. Like well, no, that's that's definitely a run that that will get you noticed with other teams. Yep. Going forward. So I'm yep. I'm sure other other teams along Pit Road are like. Make, make, make a note of this kid. Let's, yeah. uh, let's, and, let's follow you, back with him. You know, in 2020, the rookie that drove for them was Alex Pillow. And yeah. next, year, next year, he signed with Ganassi and won the championship. And, you know, he's still in hot water now uh, for obvious reasons. Um, but, you know, Dale Coyne finds they, 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 have, they are really good at doing two things. One, finding rookies that can come in and help them compete right away. Um, or they're really good at finding guys who are on the back end of their career but mm-hmm. still – um, are competitive in those cars like Sebastian Bourdais, Takuma Sato. I mean, last year they had Ramon Groshan. And I think Groshan had a better year last year in a Rick Ware car than he's had this year in an Andretti car, which is mm. insane to say. Um, but no, props to Dale Coyne. That was really fun to see. Has Rick, Ware, sure. has Rick, has Rick Ware won, a, won an Indy car race yet? <laughs> no, he would have come close with Ramon Groshan at the Indy Road Course last year in May. Groshan won the pole, led a bunch of laps, but he got passed by VK uh, okay. on a pitch on a, on a pitch strategy. He came in second that race. He has not won, but that was as close as he's come. If if it does ever happen, it's just gonna be so weird to think Rick Ware, Indy Car winning team owner. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> that th- that's a thing now. Yep. Um, so it's. He's he's also in sports cars, I believe. So I think so. It, it, it's Rick Rick Ware is just a very interesting test case. If I was if I was Rick Ware, and again, I don't. If I if I see all the money that I'm spending on NASCAR to come in like 35th every week, why don't I just take all that money and go to IndyCar, where I'll get a lot bigger bang for my buck? Yeah, I I, I don't. Why not? I don't know what goes on that in, in his head. So oh, I, I wouldn't presume to know either. Um, I don't even know what's going on in my head half the time, let alone a, a, a NASCAR team owner, but I don't know why not. Anyways, I don't really have anything else left to really talk about Watkins Glen. Unless well, before, you, all right, before, I guess before we, we move on, um, let's, let's do uh, Jeff Gluck good race poll yes. versus Ron tomatoes. Yes. We need, we need to make some sort of like transition music into this. I don't know what it would be. So. <laughs> So yes, uh, on the Jeff Gluck Good Race poll this week uh, for Watkins Glen, the race got a ninety-two point seven percent saying yes, it was a good race, uh, which we round up to ninety-three, and that that's the highest score of the year, uh, knocking off the Auto Club race uh, from February. So ninety-three percent, Jeff, Jeff and I have picked movies that for on Rotten Tomatoes. And we will now force each other to guess which was which is higher, the race score or the movie score. Okay. All right. Um, I believe you went first. I went first last time, so now it's your turn to go first this week. So I'm wait. I'm guessing or I'm quizzing. You. I, I'll quiz you first. I'll oh, quiz okay. you first. Okay. okay. So <laughs> I have yet to pick a comic book movie, and I try to avoid it. I try to avoid it. But for this one, I figured, why the hell not? Um, so you're probably going to think I'm going to pick one movie, but I'm going to zigzag and pick a different comic book movie. Um, it came out in the same year, though. 
So my all-time favorite movie is The Dark Knight, but I'm not going to pick The Dark Knight. Instead, I'm going to pick a movie that came out a couple weeks earlier, and that was Iron Man. That was, the first, that was a couple months. That was two months earlier. Two months yep, earlier. The first Iron Man kicking off the whole MCU universe mm. back when we had no idea what an extended cinematic universe <laughs> even was. Um, and we had Jeff Bridges eating pizza and paralyzing people. That that that. that so sum up a movie in a bad way. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Jeff Bridges eats pizza and paralyzes people. <laughs> Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, that's damn. I wish I would have thought of that for Twitter. Anyways. Oh. <laughs> okay, so Iron Man 2008. Oh, boy. Um, higher, higher or lower than a 93. Lower. Deep and meditative thought. That is incorrect, sir. Iron Man has a 94. That's that's too that's too generous to that movie. It's the same score as The Dark Knight. That <sighs> Iron yeah. Iron Man has a 94 at 281 reviews. Hey, well, both movies have third act problems. So hey. <laughs> uh Dark Knight has a 94 on much higher reviews. It has 345 reviews. It's got about 50, 50 more reviews than uh Iron Man. I would I would man. I want sometimes I just want to turn this into a a pop culture podcast because I really wanted someone to do like a deep dive into the 2008 summer movie season back when it was like you know the anniversary a few years ago Um, because that that summer like just changed the course it ruled yeah movies the movie industry Uh, because yeah you had Iron Man which kicked off the MCU you had The Dark Knight which um really really having those two movies that summer there, there, there's a before and after and before yeah. being a self self-identifying geek nerd or whatever uh who's really into star wars and all that stuff into superheroes into superheroes it was the whole comic book stuff still wasn't treated as like this great respectful piece of pop culture that everyone loved it was still kind right. of felt like it was on the outskirts to a degree yeah you definitely had like your figureheads like batman superman and spider-man that got their own like legitimate franchises but everything else kind of felt like a little wishy-washy like even like the first x-men movie feels that way the second one really upped the game but yeah. like by and large that first x-men trilogy feels second rate so yeah i totally get what you're saying well i'm just talking about like the way, way like people like me were like, kind of like treated by society it's like oh that guy he likes superheroes and stuff it oh was, yeah nerd culture was, went, yeah it was, it was still like that culture. but that that summer changed that was yep. like oh this is now cool it, yes. it was like they're like dark, dark i went and saw the dark night night at midnight but that night was released there was lines out the door yes um there, there, i remember there, not even knowing that there was a superhero called iron man and i went and saw it on a whim i was like yeah sure whatever and like like 30 minutes in, I was like, oh my, this rules. They nailed this. I'm an Iron Man fan now. I don't even know that this dude existed like three weeks ago. So, And everyone forgets The Incredible Hulk came out that summer. Uh, yes. In, 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 in between Iron Man and uh, The Dark Knight. It came out in June. And we also uh, got Wally as well. Yeah. Yep. Wally. Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder. That, that, that was like, that was like <laughs> the, kind of like the cap to the summer that summer. That, that was, yes. I think that came out like, I think that came out in August. 
Um, yeah. But even going back to the beginning, the beginning of the year, Cloverfield came out in January. Yep. Um, which was is its own like event. It it was just very weird. I actually saw that in in Hol- I was I was on a school trip to Los Angeles the week it came out, and so on the Hollywood Strip in front of the Chinese Theater, they had a headless uh, Statue of Liberty out in front. Um, and that, but that movie was like the culmination of like a whole year long viral marketing campaign um, that's that hasn't been touched since. Like no one's even yes. attempted to do that. Um, oh, well, actually, Cl- Cloverfield and The Dark Knight both had their own like year long viral marketing campaigns that were really good. Um, and that summer also had Indiana Jones 4, which I'm the only person on the face, face of the planet. <laughs> I, forgot I forgot about that movie. I'm the only, I'm the only person on the face of the planet that enjoys that movie. Does it have problems? Absolutely. But it was Indiana Jones in theaters. I got to see it. Loved it. I haven't um, seen it since. Yeah, I, had, I haven't seen it since theaters. Get Smart came out that summer. Um, it, was just, it was just a great year. For, forgetting Sarah Marshall was like the really big rom-com. I thought, I thought that came out in like 07. No, it was 08. I'm, on, I'm looking at 2008 Wikipedia okay. right now. All right. Okay. All right. But no, that, that was just a great year. Anyway, now it's my turn to, to turn the tables on you, Mr. John. Oh, don't forget about Speed Racer. I didn't watch that until a few years ago. I never saw it. It's definitely, I know it's definitely a cult film. Oh, we it's, got the first, we got the first Kung Fu Panda. Never saw it. Oh man! And then Hancock came out. Oof. Mama Mia came out. Oh my god, that movie was everywhere. That, that came out like... the same. That came out the same weekend as Dark Knight. I remember. Yeah, it, like, that, it, yeah. was, it was. It was the other movie. Yeah, that was yeah. for all the. That was for all the aunts and divorced moms. <laughs> oh man, what a what Pineapple Express! What a year! Holy crap! Then Tropic Thunder. Oh my god, I'm getting ahead of my. Anyways, yes. Uh, what? Yeah, my turn. Quiz me. Yes. Okay. So uh, I, 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 I kept it to the, the racing theme, but also the, the New York theme. Uh, my movie, I tried to, but I, I thought about doing the New York thing. But I was like, eh, I'll give, well, I'll give, I'll give Daniel movie, a week off. This movie, it, it's, a, it's a racing movie uh, with a scene that takes place at Watkins Glen in, I, be, I believe, the rain. Uh, Is it Cars 3? I'm joking. <laughs> But there was, a, there was a rain race at Watkins Glen, I believe, and like Sunday's race, features F1 drivers. So, Mr. John, which is higher, the, the Jeff Gluck good race poll for Watkins Glen or the Rotten Tomato score for Ron Howard's 2013 racing drama, Rush? Oh, man. I've wanted to see this movie so Have badly oh. I, I haven't seen it i've heard nothing but good things i've really uh been trying to get to it especially since i graduated law school and passed the bar and i have my life back and i have free time now um i actually have a digital copy of it i just have not watched it maybe i'll do that tonight anyways um oh man that's really close here's okay here's the thing both the 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 critic score and the audience score are tied for this movie Oh really? I, it's, 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 it is, it's a consensus. It's the same for the Dark Knight. It's both ninety four. Uh, it's a consensus then. Mm. Damn. Ninety three is such a such a weird number to have to guess around. Um, 
I'm going to guess if I get this, we were tied five to five. Um, and I've gotten the last three, I think. Uh, no, I've got the last two. Just make it three in a row. Um, you know, if I'd seen it, I'd have a better grasp yeah. of where to go. But I, 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 I figured you'd see it. So I hadn't seen it yet. Oh man. Um, I'm going to say it's got a 92. I'm going to go. It's one lower. Final answer. Yes. The, 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 the movie score is lower, but it's 88%. It's 88. Oh, wow. I, wow. I thought it was in the 90s. I, I knew that it had a good score. But look at that. Oh, we're tied. Five to five to five. I'm on a roll. So Three no in a rush. row. Starring uh, Chris Hemsworth in his early bank, ca- cashing in on that Thor success. Yes, yes, yes. This came out two, two years later after Thor. Oh, 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 yeah. It's got uh, the guy who played... The bad guy in Avengers: Age of Ultron. Uh, James Spader? No, not not James Spader. The the no, not, not Age of Ultron. Um, uh, crud. Uh, Civil War, right? Yeah, Civil War. The, oh, Daniel Bruhl. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, right. Yes, he was also in Inglorious Bastards. Yes, yes. Yeah, I know you. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. This wasn't this wasn't Avengers type movie. <laughs> so is uh. Is Daytona going to have 100% this week? I'm so excited for this race. I really am. I really think this race is going to be one for the ages. There's so much riding on this race for it's, so it's, many different It's either going to be epic or it's going to be embarrassing. I don't know. <laughs> I think we're going to get a race like last year where everyone behaves for most of the race because they know that because there's so much at stake for so many drivers. I think it'll be like, you know how, you know how like, so many things try to get into a funnel that they all kind of just sign up simultaneously clog up the drain. Like that's kind of how so this like ra- turn one at the Indianapolis road course. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like, I feel like the first two stages will just be like that. Everyone is being aggressive for sure, but not doing anything necessarily crazy because they all want to be there for those last se- several laps. I think stage three is where things start to come off the rails. I think that we're going to get a, a, a mirror image of, of last year's <sighs> late race. Like, like, I've said it before, like last year's race, I thought it was just going to be absolutely just like insane, but they were pretty respectful for the entire race until the last like, you know, 10 laps. And then what happened, what usually happens, happens. Yeah. But even then, there wasn't one playoff spot on the line last year. Right. I don't know. I don't know how many were. I don't remember how many were on the line at this point last year, but there wasn't just one. There's just one. Exactly. Um, and there's 15 drivers who will be trying to get into that spot. Ryan Blaney, Martin Truex Jr., Eric Jones, Eric Almarola, Austin Dillon, Bubba Wallace, Chris Buescher, Justin Haley, Michael McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Cole Custer, Brad Kozlowski, Harrison Burton, Ty Dillon, and Todd Gilland. All those drivers can win, and they are in. The only drivers, the only full-time drivers who can't because they're outside outside the top 30 are Corey Joy and Cody Ware. Um, so, of, of those drivers, John, who, who do you think has the best shot at, at uh, putting on that Cinderella slipper and getting them <laughs> into that sweet 16? Uh, oh, God. Let me just uh, draw a name out of a hat, because that's just the way that these races <laughs> at Daytona seem to go. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. Um, I know that for my chaos pick, I took Bubba Wallace. 
Um, and he absolutely can win this race. He's oh, finished yeah. second. At, he's finished second at Daytona. He won Talladega last year. He's a very good super speedway racer. I believe your chaos pick was Austin Dillon, who again can win at these races. I don't remember. So. Um, he can win at these races. Eric Jones has won at Daytona before. Uh, Eric Jones Ryan... was leading coming to the checkered flag at Talladega earlier this year. He yep. just had too much of. He was too far ahead, and he got swamped. Yeah. Um, Ryan Blaney won this race last year. Um, you know, Michael McDowell's obviously won the Daytona 500. Uh, even Justin Haley has won. I mean, granted, that was a rain-shortened race, but... But he's really good in restricted plate racing, at least he in is. the Xfinity series. He, yeah. He's, like, lights out, typically. Yeah. I mean, um, and even Eric even Eric Amarola and Ricky Stenhouse. I every one of the Every one of these drivers, you could all reasonably see winning. Um, the only driver who I... I would... <laughs> I don't want to say it would surprise me because he's a good, he's a, obviously I think he's going to be a hall of fame, a hall of fame driver one day, but like I would sort of be surprised if Martin Truex Jr. Won this race. Well, he's never won a, won a super speedway race. He's never won a super speedway race. In cup. He won one, at least one in Xfinity, I believe. Um, but yeah, he came close in 2016. Danny Hamlin barely beat him to the, yes. to the line. Um uh, Truex won both stages at Daytona in the Daytona 500 earlier this he year. He did. Um, but man, Brad Keselowski's in that mix. He's one of these drivers. We, we saw how he raced in February because he's, you know, kind of desperate to be able to get a Daytona 500 win. And that was yes. before his penalty. Um, and so this is this is after that huge penalty he had following the Atlanta race, I believe. Here um, are the last couple Daytona fi- Daytona finishes for Truex in the fall race, not the not the 500. Yeah, well, last year 29th, uh, 2020 came in fourth. Remember last year when he had like like six straight races where the worst he finished was fourth. He went third, 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 second, second, fourth. <laughs> um, wow. That was 2020, and then so okay, so he did 29th and then fourth. And then he went to 22nd and then second, this was 2018, then 34th, 29th, 38th. <laughs> it just, it just all kind of compounds from there. So he's always seems to be involved in some sort of accident if he's not running well. And that's just, you could say that about any, that's just the way super speedway racing is now. I mean, um, Cody Ware had a top 10, the Daytona 500 this year. Did he not? Or maybe he came in the top 10 at the fall race last year. Um, not Cody Ware. Um, was BJ McLeod? He's like his best finish is like ninth at like a super speedway race or something. Yeah, BJ. Yeah, BJ McLeod. I think is who yeah. you're thinking. Of. I mean, sometimes it's just, it's not the fastest. It's just the luckiest. <laughs> it's just the guy that the guy that manages to avoid everyone well, else's mistakes who can be there at the end. So it, people want to say that oh anyone can win super speedway races, but really when you when you look at the numbers, the people who are finishing up front at Daytona or Talladega are the the guys who are finishing up front on a regular basis. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah it's like, not like, yeah, this talent does not exist on an Island. I'm just saying, yeah, th- it's these sorts of races that lend themselves to chaotic finishes that allow for those surprises. Yeah. Um, that could, that would be, you know, a Cinderella story for somebody else, but absolute heartache and devastation for another driver. So, um, I, I you know, you don't get this sort of, uh, emotion for Phoenix <laughs> or Richmond. So, um, <laughs> no, I, I genuinely don't know what to expect. I don't think anyone does. I don't even think the drivers do. I would, like I said, I would wager that they're on their best behavior till the end. That's when things come off the rails. But as I far want, as who's going to win, I don't know. I want to believe that, 
but like I said, it's there's <laughs> one spot. There's mm-hmm. there's one spot. Um, that we're, I can't believe we're here. I can't believe we're actually. Uh, yeah, it's just like all, and all the stuff that like had to happen for this to even be a possibility. Yes. Um, like just start. I I started writing a column today about this before I switched it, talking about Kyle Bush and his whole situation, uh, which we, which we should probably talk about. Um, but like. <laughs> Start starting with the day twenty five hundred, the Austin Cindric crossed the finish line first, like point zero three six seconds in front of Bubba Wallace who was second. the The other guys who finished in the top five, like Ryan Blaney, uh, Chase Briscoe, and Eric Almarola. Uh, since that race, Austin Cindric hasn't won. Ryan Blaney hasn't won. Bubba Wallace hasn't won. Uh, Chase Briscoe has won. Phoenix and Eric Almarola hasn't won. Um, so uh, that's four or five guys who, if one thing changes coming out of turn four, we're, t- we're having a completely different conversation. Um, and then you have like Bristol on dirt. Awesome. You had Reddit going for his first career win, Briscoe going for win number two, neither of them get it. Who gets it? Kyle Bush. Right. Yes. Like if Kyle Bush doesn't get that, the, doesn't get that win, we're talking about two open spots um it's like or taldega eric jones has come down with the checkered flag leading could have been his first win instead everyone went everything went haywire in the trioval and it's ross chastain getting win number two yep it, it's if bubba uh, wallace has a better restart at michigan yes exactly yeah exactly um yeah it's 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 like it's like star wars a new hope <laughs> Mixed in with Rogue One, the prequel. So many things had to happen. So, so many dominoes had to fall in order for Luke Skywalker to be able to get that torpedo into the exhaust port to blow up the Death Star. Mm-hmm. And so many things had to go in a certain direction for us to have one playoff spot going into Daytona. <laughs> I, I, really, <laughs> I really hope that this... I don't know. Like I would be a okay if this sort of like chaotic season was like the new norm for NASCAR. I'd be a okay. I don't think that. I don't think so. It like because I, I mean I don't so think it's going to happen. But I'm just saying like I would be a okay if this happened every year. Oh, like, this, I would this too. Is, this is awesome. I would too. But but I think just so much was unknown about the next gen car that caused this to happen. Yes. On on some levels. So I don't. I don't think this is going to happen again, at least not for a long time. Um, it's just, but I'm glad it's happening. Like, uh, so yeah, uh, Daytona's going to be wild. Yes. So. And I, and you know, it's a Saturday night race. Please don't rain. Please don't. <laughs> hey, if it does, they at least give themselves Sunday to get through it. But I, I, my, my, uh, my expectations are no expectations. I just, this is going to be, you know, a shootout and it's only 160 laps. It's not, it's not 500 miles. It's 400. So it's a lot shorter of a runway to get, get a whole lot more done here. Um, I guess I'll just ask this instead of like, we obviously made our chaos picks. I've got Bubba, you've got Austin Dillon. Do you think we get a new winner this season? Not like new first time career winner, but just like a new winner for 2022. Yeah. Or or do you think it's somebody else? Somebody who's already won. Are, are you talking about this weekend or are we, are we talking about just 
through, through the end of the, the season. No, for, for Daytona, is the winner at Daytona going to be a oh. new winner for 2022, someone who hasn't been in victory lane yet this season, or is it going to be someone who's already taken the checkered flag this year? There are so many good potential winners that they uh, among the crop less. Yes. I think I think someone new does win. I think that I do like, too. Kozlowski, St- Stenhouse, McDowell, Jones, Almarola. The, the, yeah, there's so many yes. guys who who have shown that they, they can win this race. Um, so it's gonna happen. There's gonna be sixteen. My, there's gonna be sixteen winners. Of the names that we've mentioned, I will. I'll, I'll just go ahead and be bold and make a pick here. I will pick Blaney to win. I'll pick Blaney to win. Um, back against the wall. Um, I just. It just. Penske's always pretty good here. I mean, hell, the year that McDowell won the five hundred, he was in third when Logano and Kislowski took each other out, um, mm-hmm. and they just won the five hundred this year. And Blaney was in had a chance to win that year's to win again this year. Uh, Penske was running run to, one two to the finish, you know, two straight years. So um, I, I will I will pick Blaney, although I say that and he'll be involved in some you know fifty eight car car pileup with ten laps to go and. They have to get Dale Jr. Dale Jarrett out of the, Dale Jr. out of the booth to go run some cars just to finish this race for everybody. So, uh, Speaking, no, seriously, no explaining. Okay, all right, and I'm yeah, I'm gonna go. Hmm, I'm going Chris Busher. Okay, Busher hey. won his qualifying race at the 500 back in February. Um, I'm gonna go Chris Busher. Yeah, fair enough. Gosh, if, oh my, if it could. I want, I want, I want to know what happens if it comes down to it, and it's like Busher and Kozlowski. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Boss man, Boss man versus the paid employee. Um, what happens points wise if Ty Gibbs wins? Like, how is that? Because I know that Kurt Busch has locked himself in, um, assuming assuming he comes back. He's not going to be in this race. You know, he made that yeah. press release. He wasn't going to be in the last two races. The first race would then, from the playoffs, would then be Darlington, um, Labor Day weekend. Assuming so so he, if, if a non-full-time driver wins, that's what that's what you're asking. No, what would happen if Ty Gibbs wins? Like, points-wise, what does that mean for Kurt Busch? Like, specifically nothing. Ty Gibbs, because he's in that 45. Does he no, get nothing? Po- nothing? He gets no points for that. No, he's running for Xfinity points. Ty Gibbs is running for Xfinity points? Yeah. So if he wins the cup race... Nothing for him. Nothing happens. Okay. Okay. The I owners, figured as much. It, 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 it had like an impact on like owner points, but no. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, so like Scott Miller said on SiriusXM NASCAR radio <clears throat> this morning that the, the if the waiver for Kurt Busch will extend into you know like the first round of the playoffs. So he Kurt, Kurt's Kurt's good. He okay. should be good. So he's okay. fine. I figure as much, but I, I was just genuinely curious. So okay. Yeah. Um I I wish tomorrow was Saturday. So. <laughs> well I will I will be covering the race. Oh are you I gonna be, be there? Yep I will be there for, for Frenchers.com. I fly in Friday. Nice. And then I'll fly back out Monday. So if it does rain and they do have to push it to sunday i'll still get to be there is it supposed to rain saturday night it's florida it's <laughs> <laughs> i know it always like rains there at least once a day uh let's look at daytona weather forecast for saturday 
right now as we record this. Um, the temperature is going to be a high of 87, precipitation of 60%. But it could just be a spot-up shower. Who knows? And things cool off. And is, is that a race that starts when it's still daylight? Uh, you know, like, yeah, the sun's still kind of up, yeah. Okay. I, I would wager maybe it's just a pop-up shower. That's just the way that Florida seems to be. For Sunday, uh, it's 88 for t- precipitation at 60%. So I think it's just accounting for... Uh, a stray shower so we'll see either way hope you hope you're safe definitely uh look forward to seeing your coverage so thanks so uh, i almost said it earlier speaking of ryan blaney but we 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 got (laughs) kind of so um ryan blaney is one of the drivers that's featured in the upcoming race for the championship documentary series uh on that's that will premiere on usa network on september 1st which is which will be the next thursday not this thursday next thursday if you're listening to this um, and I got to watch a couple, the first two episodes of that show last night, thanks to some screeners that I got to watch. And I'm happy to report it's really good. Uh, it looks good. It's it's not uh, Life in the Fast Lane with Austin Dillon or however. It's not that. It is a respectful, serious, inside look at the the season that is the 2020. 2022 NASCAR Cup season. Uh, it's the first episode features Kyle Larson, Joey Logano, and who's the third? Ryan Blaney, right? I don't know. You saw it, not me. No, 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 no. Blaney's in the second one. Uh, but yeah, Kyle Larson and Joey Logano, uh, they're, they're among the, the guys who are featured in the first episode. The second episode is very interesting because it, it looks at Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, and Corey LaJoy. And it's it, it's a very good look at how what the career, different career paths have been for two second generation drivers, Chase Elliott, son of Bill Elliott, Ryan Blaney, son of Dave Blaney, and Corey LaJoy, son of two time Xfinity Series champion uh, Randy LaJoy. Um, so it's, seeing their different like station in the NASCAR Cup season is very interesting. Um, with the Logano episode, you even get a little bit of a peek at what, uh, because th- this starts with Clash Week, the week leading up to the Clash, and then yes, okay. go- goes on here. And that that week, uh, Logano and his wife were expecting one another child. So while, while he's prepping for this race, you're he, he's you know kind of like stressing out over oh I'm about to have a, a kid. Will, will I even get to beat the race or whatever? So, um. It's all very interesting. It's all very good. I just wish it wasn't airing on USA Network. <laughs> I mean, where else would it be? Put it on NBC. Like, put it on the main thing. I wish because, like, this is every, everyone wanted NASCAR to get their own like drive for survive thing, like F one. Uh, and this is what that's supposed to be, but it's on a, a cable network that's in roughly like eighty five million homes. Um a network that's a TV partner of, of NASCAR. So already this is just a channel that's just being programmed for the people who are already inside the NASCAR bubble. There's there's very little chance this show is going to penetrate outside it. Well, I um, just looked at uh, NBC's Thursday night lineup and it's just all law and order all the time. So that's probably, <laughs> that's why it's going to be on USA. So. Yeah. Um, I, I just want this, because, like I said, this is a respectful look at the sport. I want people who aren't familiar with the sport to watch this. 
So, right, I do too. It, I do too. Um, you feel like they're already losing by it being on this network. Unfortunately, I agree. It is nice to see a respectful, serious look at a sport like this, and especially because you know some of the complaints that we've lev- that we've levied at some of these pre-race coverage shows, especially Fox and some of the things that they yeah. do on that show and just how gimmicky and watered down they make the sport seem. I know that's not a weekly thing for them necessarily. Like there have been some genuinely uh, moving things that I've seen on Fox Sports yeah. pre-race show. Uh, one in particular was when Daniel Suarez met a child with autism. That was back in like 2019 or 2018. It was the year that he drove uh, for Stuart Haas. Um, so, I mean, there was some, they did some genuinely good work on that station, I'm not trying to say everything they do is bad. Um, and that people over there don't work hard, but um, it just seems to be, that's the one that most people rag on, but it's nice to see that this is um, a thing. I'm glad it's, it's there and I'm glad it's not hokey. Um, and I, like you said, I'm glad that, you know, this sport is being treated in a way that is deserving of its, you know, upper echelon status as far as auto racing in this country. And, you know, it, it, I remember when, uh, what a deal Earnhardt Jr. saying this podcast, you know, I, I hate it when our sports kind of treated, you know, like a hee-haw yeah. thing yeah. and, you know, we're supposed to be warriors and gladiators, I think is the language that he used. Um, you know, this is, this it's, it's, it's sincere. Um, and it, it's definitely going to show. Uh, well, Dale Jr. Know, was an executive, executive producer on this. There you go. So there you go. He, he, he had input. There you um, go. So, but no, it's my, it, my the, man. First, the first episode I tweeted this yesterday features the coolest use of a drone I have ever seen. <laughs> like, Speaking of, uh, like, as it pertains to what, like, wh- just give us a, a, a don't, so don't spoil it, but like, what's a hint? It, they use a drone to basically give you a tour of a Cup Series team's campus. Oh, that's cool. They're, they're, so you can see it's taking you outside, inside buildings, inside the shop, in, and then you're going into uh, their own, like, scanner, like the one they actually have the track. They also have yeah. one. So, you're going through this and it's that's it cool. is it is the coolest use of a drone i have ever seen your uh drone comment reminded me of some of the camera work we saw at watkins Glen. i loved 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 the camera angle on the bus stop where the yeah. camera is like going sideways yeah. along the uh, like perpendicular or parallel excuse me to the cars on the bus stop and you really see like how fast that bus stop is because like when it's just headlong you see them yeah. slowing down and going through and kind of you know maneuvering their way around those tight turns but then when it's you see that when the camera is moving with the car you see how much speed and momentum they're carrying through that part of the track um i loved it i thought that was brilliant i thought it was great i can't remember if they did it last year or not maybe they did and i just wasn't on this podcast yet to think about it but just i loved it every time they went to that camera angle and i wish that they there was a more inventive way to do something like that that's similar i know they have the drone um the drone doesn't quite do it for me because it has to be so far away from the track you really see a lot of grass and then some cars off to the side just kind of blurring by um there was some drone coverage for turn one and two and three at the road course in indy that i thought um looked kind of decent but this this camera Watkins Glen that was that was awesome and I'd really like to see more innovative camera styles trying to be used and I know that Watkins Glen's well, a road course they, the cars slow down enough for the cameras to match the speed of the car but um, I, I know I think they tried that rail cam at Daytona one year that like down the back stretch I think yeah it's but but no like yeah they I I also loved that camera um Gosh, like Fox overdid overdid their drone use, um, yes. and their onboard cameras. Uh, NBC Sports 
overdoes it with helicopter shots of racing action because it's <laughs> usually just far back enough you can't really tell who's who yeah so, so but they, they they got it right with that real that real camera watch split for sure yep that was great we are fans look at us being fans <laughs> of cameras on a racing show um yeah, I've 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 made my peace with everything. Unless there's something else you want to talk about, sir. Right, but yeah, the r- race for the championship that that premieres September first, uh, Thursday, September first. So check it out. Um, yeah, that's all I got. I'm I. This was fun. Another great episode. Be sure to tune in to Daytona this weekend. The race is Saturday night. I, up until about yesterday, I actually thought the race was Sunday. So <laughs> so don't make my mistake. It's Saturday on NBC. So, oh, wait, I thought we were going to Bristol. Oh, right. The Chase, <laughs> the Chase Elliott comment. I didn't catch that <laughs> until later on social media where they say, "Yo, uh, like Nate Ryan." No, I heard. I, I remember hearing it in real time. It's like, you no, know, I, I didn't catch. Happy it. for Carl Larson, good team win. Happy for Hendrick, team win. Uh, on to Bristol next week. <laughs> I was like, Chase, are you that mad? Um, yeah, really, really looking forward to the Coke Zero Sugar Four Hundred uh, at Bristol at the Glen. You know, I I I, do, I miss the days when it was just the Pepsi 400, not the Diet Coke Zero presented by whatever. Oh, like, the worst names were like those years at the Brickyard where it was like, oh god, the Big Machine Vodka Brickyard at the 400, oh, brought to you by Florida Georgia Line. It's like, why honoring you... honoring such and such soldier, honoring such and such soldier. It's like, why why does this need to feel like a like a Fallout Boy song title? Because like some of their songs are like 40 <laughs> words long. Like, what is this? This is a race or a fallout boy song, but anyways. But hey, well, just uh, g- give Pepsi credit. They never called it the Diet Pepsi 400. They just called it the Pepsi 400. Yep. So. Called Synergy. The Coke Zero Sugar. I don't know anyone that drinks the Coke Zero Sugar. But granted, I don't drink caffeine, so anyways. That's, that's why the race is called that, because they got to promote that brand. <laughs> so. <laughs> a lot of good it's doing. Anyways. So, all right. I think that's going to do it for us. Thank you again for, for listening. Uh, you can email the show at, at danelikfadden at gmail.com. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube page that you're may, may be watching this on, youtube.com <laughs> slash danelikfadden. Uh, follow me on Twitter at danelikfadden. John, where can they find you? I'm at Twitter and Instagram at John Law Filet. Um, you know, I don't really tweet as much just because I'm, I've got my attorney job. So there's, I got to present myself in a, Busy defending the people. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm defending the people. Uh, this was my second day on the job. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at John Waffle. All right, cool. Uh, anyway, this has been Dropping the Hammer with Daniel McFadden. Uh, have a great week. Enjoy Daytona. Talk to you guys next week.